1: You are Locked On Redskins, your daily Washington Redskins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team team. every day. 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 day.
0: All right, it is episode number 232 of the Locked On Redskins podcast. Good to have you guys with us. Hope you had a great weekend right here. Uh, I am your host, Chris Russell, and away we go. So as I record this, it's Monday morning Here on the East Coast and we're about two hours and 15 minutes away as I utter these words from the beginning of the Redskins first full field full team OTA session of the 2019 season and actually media is allowed to go out to Redskins Park so I'll be taking part in that uh, and we'll bring you coverage Uh, Throughout the week here here coming up, unfortunately, we're not able to see every practice, so it's hard to kind of build one practice from another like you can in training camp. Uh, or even in the mandatory mini camps. But it is better than having nothing. And this is the first time that media is allowed to actually go out to Redskins Park and watch a practice with the full and entire squad. Of course, you remember last weekend was just the rookie mini camp. And of course, there had been the draft and free agency and golf tournaments and all that stuff. Now, For the next couple of weeks, there'll be a pretty steady trickle and stream of news and observations and highlights and that type of thing, which media can take in and report on and highlight and illustrate and use to kind of color the the word picture, if you will, uh, of the Washington Redskins 2019. So I'll be out there and we will bring you the best coverage that we possibly can for Redskins minicamp. So here's what I wanted to do uh, as we start this episode uh, of, uh, you know, again, the Locked on Redskins podcast. Considering it is minicamp, not minicamp, OTAs, um, considering that it is OTAs, and again, these are glorified team practices. These aren't even as important as training camp practices. Clearly, they are not in pads. But it just gives you some sense, some sense of what to look at. Uh, the Redskins have a, a, a schedule. It's, it's, it's kind of a weird one. Um, May 20th, to the, Monday, and 21st. Then they have Wednesday off for doing something else. Not sure why they do that. And, and then they practice again on May 23rd, Thursday. Uh, then they have more, uh, three more sessions next week uh, after Memorial Day Monday. They go Tuesday, May 28th through Thursday, May 30th. Then, for the first time this year, and we've mentioned this a couple of times, they have their mandatory veteran mini camp from June 4th through the 6th, which normally that is the final phase of the off-season conditioning program. For whatever reason, the Redskins tried to kind of jimmy up the schedule and do it a little bit differently this summer, and they're having the mandatory minicamp then. Normally they cancel the final day of that three-day minicamp, so maybe this was the idea was to have the minicamp then to not cancel that final day, and if you're going to cancel a day – it's cancel an OTA day. The, the the problem with that is and they do have one more final OTA session June 10th through the 12th before shutting down for the summer and reconvening in Richmond in late July. The problem with all of that is an OTA practice isn't that much more important than a mandatory mini camp. The only difference is again, it's a mandatory mini camp. So Everyone has to be there. An OTA day, i.e. today, this week, next week, and that June 10th through 12th, is not mandatory under the NFL's collective bargaining agreement. So I guess that's their thought in doing it that way. Um, And that's fine. Whatever they want to do is whatever they want to do. Clearly, they've got to change some things around and try some different things. I get it. I understand it. Uh, So I'm not going to, you know, pick a bone with it. It's just weird. Uh, is how I would kind of approach it. So um, what I wanted to do here, being that, uh, again, it's before we actually get our eyes on these guys, is lay it down like this. Uh, these are some of the battles that I think certainly we will be all keeping an eye on and writing about and talking about and noting uh, and and breaking down. Uh, and just for instance, and just out of you know, full disclosure, uh, Tarek Al bashir from The Athletic, who's been on the Redskins beat for a long time. Um, you know, he worked with NBC Sports Washington. He's done a lot of Capitals coverage as well. So I've known him for years. You know, he wrote this column up on the theathletic.com uh, called Five Storylines to Watch. And certainly this is more than a reasonable point for us to get involved here and to jump in. So I wanted to kind of Make sure we credit him uh, as a working kind of format to this, but clearly everyone is going to be charting, looking, uh, discussing, talking, eyeing, Case Keenum versus Dwayne Haskins, which in all likelihood is going to be how the starting quarterback position gets settled at the end of August and into September for the Washington Redskins. Now, we all know this, that Colt McCoy is expected to be healthy by the start of training camp, expected to be healthy. We don't know. If he will or not, he's expected to be. He was also expected to fully participate in the off-season program. He was also expected not to have any more complications. And he has and he has and he has. And that will always be the case. And we should never, ever, 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 as I I say this a million times on the radio and on this podcast, don't ever believe everything they say, 100% gospel, because they're always trying to cover up something. That doesn't mean that you don't get bits of truth. That doesn't mean that you don't get the truth sometimes. That doesn't mean that they're always trying to lie, but they're always trying to paint the picture the right way and the way they want to paint it just so that there isn't full-scale panic. Right. And sometimes it's a matter of just not having the information and being asked about it. And you're like, oh, yeah, he should be fine. He should be fine. He should be OK. It shouldn't be more than a day or two. Uh, the Redskins need to do a better job in this. Again, I contend fully that instead of forcing Jay Gruden up there to take on the bullets and to answer answer medical questions, they should put one of their doctors up there or they should put Larry Hess, their head athletic trainer, He makes a lot of money. He's been there a long time. He's in the social circle. A Bruce Allen, Dan Snyder, and the rest of them. He's a big boy. He can handle it. He can answer some questions. Why would you ask a head coach who doesn't care about injuries and who doesn't have any experience and who doesn't have any medical knowledge and only can coach who he can coach? Why would you ask him for a reasonable timeline and the nitty-gritty of injuries. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know why the Redskins refuse to do this, but whatever. They continue to refuse to do this, and it raises false hopes and expectations all the time, like it did with Colt McCoy, like it has with many, many, many others. And I'm not saying that Jay Gruden is incapable of answering a couple of questions. Of course he is, but he answers questions all the time. You can have more than one spokesman you can especially say, you know what, for medical questions and issues, we're not going to make Larry Hess or uh, a a team doctor available every week. But for big situations, yeah, we're going to make them available. Or you guys submit a couple of email questions and boom, we'll get you the answers, period. That's the way it should be done, not having Jay Gruden kind of fend off Uh, all of these questions. But anyway, I digress. Uh, So Case Keenum versus Dwayne Haskins, of course, will be the big battle, at least early on. Again, with Colt McCoy being expected to be fully ready to go for training camp in August. We'll see about that. Clearly, Case Keenum has the edge in experience. There's no doubt doubt about that, right? As we all know, again, he started 54 games in his NFL career, and he's new to organizations, or he has been uh, in new organizations several times, in his career, including last year with the Denver Broncos, a couple years ago with the Minnesota Vikings, before that with the Rams, so on and so forth. Case Keenum can learn a system. Case Keenum can be more than fine understanding a system with the terminology, with the footwork, with the mechanics, and all of that by the end of August. I don't know if he's there yet. I don't think he is. He shouldn't be. But clearly getting out on the field in live periods and then having an entire training camp um, with the ability to have been buried in his playbook for the last month plus, he's going to have enough time. I assume Dwayne Haskins is going to have enough time as well. I just don't know that because Dwayne Haskins is going to have to also master other things, i.e. matching his footwork, his mechanics, his eyes, his vision, the route concepts, the timing, the footwork, the drops on not only passes but runs, all of that. And study his playbook and get ready for the NFL, which is a whole different level than, of course, the Big Ten. So to me, again, it would be a surprising thing, as I've said all along, if Case Keenum is not the starting quarterback of the Washington Redskins week one against the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I can't say that he will for sure because nothing's for sure in the NFL and certainly not with the Washington Redskins. It really all depends on Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen. Uh, because I can tell you with pretty reasonable certainty, Jay Gruden and the coaches are going to think that Dwayne Haskins is not ready enough to play in week one. I, I can no matter what they say publicly, they're going to feel differently behind the scenes. So let me just tell you that, okay? so but I can't say for sure that, again, Dwayne Haskins won't play in week one, regardless of what you hear from this point on. to me, As long as Case Keenum is not horrendous. And there are times where guys are horrendous in an off-season program. I remember, quite honestly, in 2014, my last full year on the beat, all throughout the off-season, Colt McCoy and Kirk Cousins were not good. And Robert Griffin was not good either. Jay's first year. All three of them were horrible consistently. And... You know, Griffin started because he was the salvageable one at that point, and they, he was the former number two overall pick, and that's what Jay Gruden was hired to do, was to try and fix him, and he quickly realized and knew long before that season started that he couldn't fix him, but he started, but, Case, uh, but Colt McCoy, who was in his first year in the system at that point, was a mess, and... Actually, you know what, Uh, this was, um, I believe actually, now that I think about it, maybe that was 2015, Uh, either way, the point of the matter is, is they were all a mess, and so you can have quarterbacks that are inconsistent and up and down as they're trying to learn a system, as they're trying to understand everything that goes on with the quarterback position, the bottom line is this. It would not surprise me if Case Keenum looks erratic. It would not surprise me if Case Keenum looks up and down. Same thing for Dwayne Haskins. Colt McCoy should be the guy that has the most mastery of this system because he's been here for five years. So I would say this while I lean towards Keenum more of that is because I just don't trust Colt McCoy's ability to stay healthy, and if I'm the coaching staff, I don't know how I go in with a week one plan of Colt McCoy my starting quarterback. Unless you're fully admitting and being honest with yourself that I think he's going to get injured, so I can't exclusively treat him like a normal starter, I have to make sure that Dwayne Haskins and or Case Keenum and maybe both get first team reps or something because... I can't trust that Colt McCoy is going to stay healthy, and I can't give him 90% of the first-team reps or more and kind of move forward with that approach. That's the problem. That's the problem right there. All right, so we'll we'll leave the first segment uh, of this kind of OTA and off-season program phase three preview at that. Keenum, Haskins, and a little McCoy uh And now we'll get into other position areas, such as running back, left guard, wide receiver, safety, all of that stuff. We will cover that uh, next as we move forward right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. Thanks for being with us. I am your host, Chris Russell. Make sure you follow on Twitter at Locked Redskins, at Locked Redskins, and as well at Locked on NFL Net on both Twitter and Instagram. And as well, when you hop in your car, make sure you tell your smart speaker device, hey, whatever, play podcast Locked on Redskins. Play podcast Locked on Redskins.
2: Back in a flash. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line or Could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former SportsCenter anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, Dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All
0: right, right back here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. It is episode number two. Thirty-two, Episode 232 and 231, we covered Fred Smoot on Josh Norman, Scott Pioli, which is, again, not going to happen, as we mentioned, although it should happen, but it's not going to happen. Please go make sure you listen to that. Uh, and as well, make sure you go check out the new Himalaya podcasting app where you can download uh, personally curated playlists and as well, the Locked On Redskins podcast available wherever you download your apps. Himalaya. New way to listen to the Locked On Redskins podcast. As always, you can listen on uh, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Megaphone, Player FM, lots of different ways for you to consume not only the Locked On Redskins podcast, but any Locked On podcast right here on the network. Also want to tell you guys, today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, and get rewarded. We welcome Hotel Dot com along the way, right here on the Locked On Redskins podcast. All right, so. uh, here's the rest of the training camp or the, I keep calling it training camp. It's really OTAs, uh, and the battle. Certainly there is going to be, again, a battle at left guard. We have Eric Flowers, who is a converted tackle, who I still think is going to ultimately wind up as the team swing tackle and ultimately going to play more tackle than guard. Uh, I, I thought that from minute one, I never trusted, uh, Jaron Christian, who was drafted in the third round. He was very, very, very in unprepared last year. Now, clearly I, I think he'll be better this year but then he got hurt but he was way overmatched Uh, again guys make a meteoric jump uh, in a lot of cases from year one to year two that happens a lot to position players, and, of course, quarterbacks. So you hope that Jaron Christian is ready to take that mantle. I just don't know until I see more consistently out of him. And I think the Redskins have that in mind, of course, when they signed Eric Flowers. The thought, the notion was put Eric Flowers at left guard, see if we can convert him there, see if we can ask him to reduce and cover his space and use his athleticism and his size and his ability. Remember, he was a number nine overall pick at one point in 2015 – to the Giants, and people inside the Redskins organization did like him uh, at that time, and they seriously considered drafting him over Brandon Sheriff. Ultimately, they drafted Sheriff, and now they have Flowers, and Flowers has been a disaster at tackle, but that doesn't mean he can't continue to get better. As we've noted on this podcast from before and when they signed him, I think he only allowed two tack two sacks at, uh, in seven games at left tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not that that's great, but it's certainly not. Anywhere near the turnstile that he was at times, and for a large part of the time, uh, in New York. Now, it kind of makes you wonder why Jacksonville, again, didn't bring him back. You know, I mean, nobody's saying that Eric Flowers is going to the Hall of Fame, for God's sakes. Nobody's saying that. Uh, but to me, I think ultimately he's going to wind up playing tackle when inevitably Trent Williams and or Morgan Moses and or both get injured. I think he's ultimately going to be more of a tackle than a guard, but for right now, he's going to be working at guard along with fourth round pick from Indiana, Wes Martin, and fifth round pick, Alabama center guard, Ross Pierschbacher. Now, Again, you might remember we mentioned this last week. I think it was uh, to my pal Zig Prakashi of SiriusXM NFL Radio. Pierce Bacher told Zig and his partner—I can't remember who he was working with at the time—on Sirius NFL Radio that. Bill Callahan worked him out exclusively at Left guard. Of course, he played center this particular past year uh, for uh, Alabama. Uh, and again, West Martin is a true left guard. He's country strong as we've talked about, 38 bench reps at 225 and all that. Ultimately, I think that I, ultimately, I, I think West Martin has the clubhouse lead. Again, Flowers is not a natural guard. So there's technique and footwork and all, and hand placement, all that stuff that you have to work on there. Uh, Martin is, Martin, again, is just bullish strong, and the Redskins have lacked a dominant blow-up-the-line-of-scrimmage, move-the-pile type of guard forever. Brandon Sheriff is not that guy. Is he strong? Yes. Is he good? Yes. Is he great? I don't think he is. I think he's very good at times. I don't think he's consistently very good, which is part of my problem and part of the reason why I wouldn't go crazy paying him. Uh, But that's me. A lot of people would disagree uh, with that. I think I know what I'm talking about. He's better than what they have, so you have to pay him. I don't think Brandon Sheriff is a dominant, dominant right guard. That's just me. Uh, But Wes Martin certainly... The jury is out on him because he's got to play at the NFL level, which he never has. But I think he, because of his natural raw strength, if he can get the technique and if he can get comfortable, I think he has a chance at being a pretty damn good left guard. Pretty damn good left guard. Um, So we'll see what happens between him and Pierce Parker uh, and Eric Flowers. Again, nothing will be determined in that battle until at least the preseason and maybe even into the season, and maybe you'll see a combination of both, but certainly that is an – at least the Redskins have competition there. They didn't have true competition there last year. They had a bunch of guys. They had Casey Dunn, who was undrafted out of Auburn. They had Sean Laval, who was always hurt and who was the incumbent starter who nobody wanted. Even the Redskins wanted to move on from him, and they brought him back because they had no other choice because they did such a bad job, and because Ari Kwanjo got hurt again – and even Ari Quanjo stinks. He's not good. Uh, he never was good. He never will be good. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know that's rough, but he just just, just never was anything of the sort. Uh, and you know, you had Tyler Catalina and Kyle Callis, and all these guys. None of them were any good. Yeah, at least have some potential here. At least have some potential here between Flowers, Martin, and Pierce Bocker All right. Uh, moving on. The other safety spot. We know Landon Collins. Is it Monte Nicholson? Is it Troy Apke? Is it DeShazer Everett? Listen, the answer to all of that is if Monte Nicholson can avoid being a knucklehead, which is a big question at this point, despite the charges being dropped, and his essential suspension uh, and still possible NFL suspension, although unlikely, if Monte Nicholson can avoid being a knucklehead, there is no question here. Nicholson is by far and away the better safety prospect and by far and away the best answer to be paired with Landon Collins. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that because at this point DeShazer, Everett, and as well Troy Apke are largely going to benefit the Redskins on special teams. Does that mean they can't play safety? Of course not. Does that mean that they couldn't play in a pinch? Of course not. Does that mean that they're going to be adequate or good? Probably not. Uh, Everett more than Apke got a long way to go for those guys to play safety, even with Landon Collins helping out. So I'm uh, not going to spend a whole lot of time on that. Now, in terms of the wide receiver group, right? We all understand what we have. We have Paul Richardson, again, He's not expected to participate much, if at all, in OTAs, and I understand why. You have Josh Doxon going into the final year of his deal, so you hope for something to shake loose in that regard. You have rookie Terry McLaurin. You have rookie Kelvin Harmon. You lost Jamison Crowder. You lost Maurice Harris. You have um, Trey Quinn, um, and you have a couple of other guys into the mix as well. Brian Quick is back and all that. Uh, I think... I think, ultimately, when we get to week one, assuming that everybody's healthy, and that's a big assumption, that's a big assumption, Paul Richardson, Josh Dox, and Trey Quinn are your one, two, three, with McLaurin and Harmon as your four and your five. I think that's basically how it works out. I think most people would say that, but certainly, certainly, there is big question in that regard. Another area of, um, I guess, consideration would be how they decide to use Montez Sweat and Ryan Anderson. The assumption is Ryan Anderson will play on most what they deem obvious rundowns and base packages, and Montez Sweat will come in on a bunch of second downs uh, when they think maybe on first and 15 a a, guy, a team is going to pass. Um, certainly on most if not all, third downs off the right edge, and of course, they can flip-flop as they have throughout the years. Ryan Kerrigan to the right edge uh, and put one of these guys on the left edge. I think that's pretty, pretty, um, I, I, I guess, pretty much the expectation. At inside linebacker, you have Reuben Foster cleared, ready to go. You have Sean Dion Hamilton, who came on strong towards the end of last year, but still has his limitations, right? But he should be a lot better in year two. Uh, you have Mason Foster, no Zach Brown, gone. So the question is, is, is it Reuben Foster and Mason Foster? Is it Reuben Foster and Sean Dion Hamilton? That's what I would do. I would have Reuben Foster and Sean Deon Hamilton as you're starting one, two with Mason Foster, ability to back up both of those guys. Again, that's what I would do. And of course, the rookie... That they took Cole Holcomb uh, in the fifth round at the bottom part of the fifth round from North Carolina fits in there, and he can play again. They say both positions, and certainly add some speed and athleticism. I would assume that that's going to be your four pack, if you will, at inside linebacker. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout, and we're going to wrap up this episode with a note on Josh Norman. It'll be interesting to see if he's there this week for the Redskins at OTAs as well. Again, voluntary. Remember that voluntary. We'll come back
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: All right, it is episode number 232. We come back for a quick moment to finish things up here again as we prepare to go out to Redskins minicamp. But a final word to mention and welcome aboard our new sponsor, right here on the Locked On Redskins Podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network, Untuck It. Today's show brought to you in part by Untuck It. Dads come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, Lord knows I do. And so should their shirts. Like tall, short, slim, relaxed. Ever wonder why your father's button ever wonder why your father's button-ups look so long and baggy at the end of the day? It can be hard for guys to pull off a casual untucked look that isn't sloppy. That's where Untuck It comes in. Untuck It is the solution that fits just right. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, promo code NBA. That's right, NBA, to get 20% off uh, because they are sponsoring some NFL podcasts and as well the NBA podcasts right here on the On Podcast Network. All right, so we finish it up with this. We talked about the Fred Smoot-Josh Norman situation from late last week. Again, we covered that on episode number 231. You all know what I think about Josh Norman. Uh, Josh Norman was apparently asked by, I think, Rich Eisen last week about Dave Gettleman and the New York Giants. And of the Giants' moves, he said, quote, I think we need to put him on salary. I mean, they need to protect Dave Gettleman at all costs in New York because he's winning for us. End quote. Meaning the Redskins, I assume. Here's the problem. Number one, I don't know if us is going to include Josh Norman post-June 1st. We've already covered that. We will continue to cover that. Again, that is a very, very dicey situation. I think he'll be here. I don't think he should be here. I think it's the wrong move. I think the Redskins would benefit uh, once they can only take on a $3 million dead cap hit this year, post-June 1st, to move on from Josh Norman. I think he's self-absorbed and I don't think he's dedicated. I don't think he's good enough to deal with a 14 and a half million dollar cap hit uh, for Josh Norman but that's me Um, second please stop like he has bad blood with Dave Gettleman because of what happened in Carolina which led him to the Redskins Josh Norman knows nothing about front offices and general managership and running a football team and evaluating players please stop that's how I'm going to end the show please stop please stay in your lane please worry about your own job thank you That's going to do it for us right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. Back after a day at Redskins Park. This is episode 232. Thanks for being with us. I'm your host, Chris Russell. Adios.
1: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast.